0: Hello and welcome to PDBC's Talking Tax Podcast. I'm Anna Wallace, Corporate Affairs Director, and today we're talking about the forthcoming budget. The Chancellor of the Exchequer, Rishi Sunak, will present his first budget on Wednesday the 11th of March, just four weeks into his new role and exactly 500 days since the last budget was presented by Philip Hammond. PwC's tax experts, economists and industry specialists have shared their predictions and expectations for the budget and that's what we're going to cover in the podcast today. But if you want to go through it in more detail, then please do visit our website pwc.co.uk forward slash budget. I'm joined today by John Richardson, our head of tax policy at PwC and Gavin Barwell, former chief of staff to Prime Minister Theresa May and also former housing minister and acting as a strategic advisor here at PwC. So guys, let's just sort of set the scene here a little bit and and Gavin, perhaps you could start us off. Um, Is it worth spending a moment about the cabinet reshuffle and our new chancellor and what that might mean for March 11th?
1: So I think um, obviously we were expecting this to be Sajid Javid's first budget and we've had this change and on the surface, uh, his departure was an argument about political advisors in number 10 and number 11 and who's in charge of them. But underneath that, I think there was a more important economic argument which is that number 10 had worked out that the the fiscal rules uh, that they signed up to uh, now mean that they face a choice between either breaking the rules or not doing the kind of spending that they want to do post-election or having to raise taxes, and that's a choice they don't really want to take. And therefore, I think one of the most interesting things to look out for in this budget is whether or not we see the fiscal rules revised again.
0: Mm. OK, and, if, and, and whether or not there's a fiscal revision, wh- what does that sort of political context mean for what we might see in the budget at a sort of narrative level? So
1: I think domestically, the overwhelming political priority for this government is trying to level up our economy, it's trying to improve opportunities for people living in uh, towns in the Midlands and north of England. That uh, th- The government is very clear that it needs to secure this new electoral coalition that it built at the election, and that they're not going to do that just by delivering Brexit. So I think what you're likely to see is significant increase in government investment, in in infrastructure, uh, and also changes to the rules about how that money is distributed around the country. Traditionally, the Treasury, perhaps perfectly rationally, has tried to focus the money in the places where it thinks it's going to get the best overall economic return for UK PLC. But I think what you're now going to see is a political decision to focus more of the money in those areas that have been, if you like, left behind. Mm. Uh, and I think the, the extra money will, will not just go on the big ticket stuff, major transport infrastructure projects, but also more small scale sort of civic infrastructure. And I think if you look at PwC's future of government research, that suggests that that investment is going to be really well made because how we all feel about the places where we live goes a long way to shaping whether we feel this is a fair country or not. And actually, small-scale changes to our local community can do a lot to address people's concerns about their local community.
0: Mm. Oh, that's really helpful, Gavin. Thank you. So that's, that's the political context, John, but this is a talking tax podcast. So, so give us some of the highlights and what it might mean from a tax point of view. Well, G-
2: Gavin, you know, obviously, I think we're expecting increased spending. You know, there's obviously been lots of uh, indication of that. And as Gavin said... If we get a relaxation of the fiscal rules, that will give some wiggle room for the Chancellor to to do that spending. But if he doesn't do that, he's sort of got at least one hand tied behind his back with the triple lock that was um, guaranteed in the manifesto on income tax, NIC and VAT. So if he does need to raise real uh, revenue through tax increases, and he can't raise the rates, he's really either got to do it through broadening the base or introducing new taxes, and I think Introduce introducing new taxes is looking pretty unlikely because we've obviously seen and lots of mentions of mentioned tax and wealth tax which look uh, off the agenda. So if he is going to raise uh, increased tax revenues, he's going to have to broaden the base, which basically means he's going to have to look at reliefs. And I think we've obviously heard quite a lot in the press around pensions relief, entrepreneurs relief, etc. So I expect we can see stuff on that. But, you know, it's interesting. There are uh, many other reliefs he can look at. So the National Audit Office, for instance, issued... A report on Valentine's Day, Mm -hmm. um, and they set out there. There's 1,190 tax reliefs in our system, which might explain why we've got about two.
0: 1,190.
2: 1,190, which might explain why we've got about two foot of legislation when it sits on my desk, and and that is accounts for about 155 billion of tax. So you know, there's various other areas he could look at in terms of revenue raising.
0: Great. And, and we're going to come to climate change and productivity. But I just wanted to pick up specifically around the digitalised economy. So, so lots of noise, both in, sort of in terms of tax debate, but also trade discussion around how we get on top of the digital services and how we tax the modern economy. Can you say a few words about that?
2: Yeah, sure. You know, and I think there's two sides to this. There's the you know, how do they tax tech and the technology world? But also, how do they help the sort of the retail high street? There's there's two sides to that. So if it, maybe if I just touch on the taxation of the of the tech world and the tech companies. You know, we heard um, only yesterday around the House of Commons a debate around taxation of tech companies. So clearly, at one level, there's a lot of public opinion around people wanting to see more tax coming from that. Um, at the other end of the spectrum. We've got um, you know, the need to agree free trade agreements with the US. So we have got a, the digital services tax is, is enacted and due to come in on the 1st of April. So I don't think we'll see that going. I think the interesting thing um, is how does the chancellor sort of tiptoe through that conundrum around the public opinion and the US uh, uh, position. You know, I think his, his way out on this is hopefully through the OECD work where the OECD are looking at trying to reach a consensus on an international level, how uh, the future of international tax should run. And I think everybody would agree that is the right way forward rather than having lots of unilateral taxation. So, you know, I think our thinking is the DST will stay in place for now with an expectation maybe if we can get an agreement at an OECD level on a way forward by the end of the calendar year, that might be a convenient time for the DST to get dropped uh, for a new system.
0: And 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 what about the other half of that equation, the high streets? Gavin, I don't know whether you perhaps have a view on what could be done there. So there's, I
1: think there's concern right across the political spectrum about the decline of our high streets. There are, there are underlying trends in terms of all of our behaviour as shoppers that are uh, a function of that. But I think fairly widely across the political spectrum, there's also a view that the way that the business rate system works uh, is making life more difficult than it need be for traditional retail. Uh, The question is, it's a lot of money that that system raises and a lot of it helps fund local government. So finding the right answer isn't easy. My instinct is what you're likely to see in this budget is a sort of big picture announcement about a move to a long-term replacement, but a consultation rather than a definitive solution because this is complex and getting the answers right isn't gonna be easy. There may be an initial short-term measure to help high street retail in particular as well as that sort of long-term commitment to look at the whole business rate system and how you could replace it.
0: So more consultations on business rates. You heard it here first. (laughs) Um, Now, we've spoken a lot about Brexit in the last few years and given that it's done, we don't need to talk about it anymore, except of course we do, because there's still a lot to be ironed out about our future relationship with the EU uh, as transitions come to an end at the end of this year. Um, Gavin, can you help us sort of paint a picture about what influence that 31st of December deadline will be having upon the Chancellor's plans in, on March 11th?
1: Yeah, so I think there will be two things that will be in the Chancellor's mind. First of all, the government has been absolutely clear that it's not going to extend this transition period, mm. that we are go- that it's going to come to an end on the 31st of December. I think one of the things that's been interesting since the election is there's been a little bit more openness about the f- uh, the fact that the government's decisions on the kind of Brexit it wants are going to mean friction at the UK-EU border, and that there is going to be some economic cost to that. And there's been some more openness about that. Uh, Clearly, the government doesn't share some of the previous Treasury forecasts about the scale of that cost, but they're sort of accepting there is gonna be a a one-off cost. So I think one thing that will be in the Chancellor's mind is what can he do with the other levers at his disposal to counteract that? Uh, And then secondly, I think he will be looking at things that he can do in the tax base with the freedoms uh, that we will have post 31st of December. Um, Because one of the things the government needs to, uh, one of the things the Prime Minister was really clear about when he's talked about these issues is Brexit isn't just a sort of problem to be managed. Actually, there are real opportunities that come from it. And so I think we should look in the budget for things the government is going to say that we're going to do this and this is something we can only do because we've left the European Union.
2: Mm. And And I think, uh, you know, an example of that is, you know, the prime minister was very keen on this free ports, um, you know, and it was was a centerpiece talked about um, at the the election. You know, I'm not sure we'll get much more on that in the budget itself, because we've just had a consultation document released recently in February uh, on the free ports. Um, So, you know, it's quite a long consultation, runs until April. So I think um, we're lo- unlikely to get much now in the budget, but we'll certainly see more around that in later in the year, because it's obviously a flagship example of what we can do once we're outside the EU. Mm. And I think the other thing just to mention on, on, on customs is, and it sort of picks up on the cost point as well, is there's another consultation out there at the moment around a simplification of the customs rules, Post the transition period, so from the first of first uh, of January, assuming assume we we do stick to that thirty first December deadline, and that's partly to make it a bit easier. In the, in the totality, around any um, customs duties coming from on products from anywhere around the world, uh, so it simplifies it slightly less cost. So it's a bit of a balancing up in terms of the added complication that's going to come in terms of imports from from the EU.
0: Lovely, thank you. Now, um, sort of if we leave the EU relationship for a while and think about actually an issue that's been a longer challenge for the UK economy, which is that of productivity. And productivity has grown by just 2.9% over the last 11 years. So Gavin, can can anything be done in this budget to address the UK's productivity challenge?
1: I'm sure there'll be further attempts. (laughs) I mean, as you said, this has been a problem that UK politics has been grappling with for a long time. And if you like, it's the flip side of one of our great success stories. I think if you look at the performance of our labour market over that kind of time period, it's almost been miraculous, the the scale of job creation that we've Mm -hmm. seen here in the UK. And the two are probably related. Uh, It's probably one of the causes of productivity growth being weak is the significant extra number of people we've got into Uh, the labour market. But I think a really big change is coming because, again, the government has been clear now on immigration policy that free movement is coming to an end. Uh, So businesses are not going to be able to access that sort of huge pool of labour that they were able to before. And that may incentivise them uh, to take action in terms of investment in technology and in upskilling their workforce. And the government may be thinking about what it can do to encourage that kind of investment. But it doesn't have a sort of silver bullet answer to this policy question. If it did, Better shots already. Some, right? So, but I think it's sort of more of the same. They'll be looking at uh, infrastructure, transport, infrastructure investment, uh, skills retraining, uh, devolution, trying to give local political leaders more power. Some combination of those things, and I think you will see further measures along those lines.
2: Yeah, and I, I couldn't agree more. I think we're now at a point where you know there's a there's a massive upskilling challenge to make sure we've got the population ready for the new world in terms of digital skills and. From our own research, we know that nearly three quarters of the UK workers would take the opportunity to better understand or use new technology if given the opportunity, but a much smaller proportion actually have that chance. So, you know, just picking up on Gavin saying there, I think, you know, there seems an opportunity here for the government to really turbocharge that and do something maybe with the apprenticeship levy that's obviously there to uh, encourage employers to invest in training, but maybe something a bit more tailored around... Incentivizing and training the new world skills that we we think everybody's going to need uh, going forward
0: mm. thank you both so um Climate change is, uh, I guess, an increasingly hot topic, uh, pun intended. And we saw in this year's PwC CEO survey that sixty four percent of UK CEOs believe that climate change poses a threat to their business. And in a year of sort of Australian fire, bushfires, floods across the UK, there is talk about environmental taxes. John, is there something that, is there anything the system can do? How can we use tax to address climate challenges?
2: Well, I think, um, you know, th- this, there's a lot of momentum now in, in, in terms of um, reaching net zero carbon, you know, in terms of popular demand from the population. But also, I think this year is going to be a big year because we've got the COP26 mm-hmm. coming in November in Glasgow, which is going to be the biggest um, COP we've had since the Paris Agreement a number of years ago. So I do think if this is not the greenest budget yet, would be surprising. Um, So I I don't think everything will come out in this budget because we do know HM Treasury are doing their analysis, which they'll release just ahead of the the COP26 in terms of the cost, the transition cost of getting to net zero. But you you really think they're gonna have to do something in terms of some indications around what those sort of measures will be and releasing some of those in the budget. You know, the reality is tax is only gonna be a small piece of this. It's gotta be a combination of, you know, regulation, incentives, subsidies, uh, and taxation, as well as uh, some significant investment in infrastructure. So, you know, I think infrastructure investment is definitely going to be a key part of it and a key announcement. And of course, coming back to those fiscal rules, borrowing to invest is outside the sort of current spending. So it's, uh, it's an easier route for the Chancellor to go. On tax itself, um, you know, I think there will be some, you know, there's some opportunities there on tax. Um, yeah, you know, small examples like changing the classification of um, of charging electric vehicles to domestic, which would reduce the VAT rate from 20% to 5%. So I think there are there's clearly some angles that the Chancellor can use to add to that package. But um, yes, if, if this is not the greenest budget, then I'll be surprised.
0: And Gavin, John mentioned COP26 there, of course, that that creates a real moment this year where actually the UK government might want to demonstrate some of its success to date. Do you have a perspective on what we might see as a consequence of the hosting of that later this year? Yeah, I I
1: think, you know, if you're a government that is trying to prove that global Britain can play a leadership role post Brexit, that date of hosting that conference is red circled on your calendar. And actually, I think that's one of the reasons why, although I think we'll see some things in this budget, it's not all going to go in the budget because they're going to want a drumbeat of announcements all the way through the year. You've already had an announcement in terms of the data which we they're going to phase out people being able to buy petrol or diesel or uh, hybrid cars. But I thought the thing that you mentioned about the CEO survey is really interesting um, because it shows actually that business leaders are very well aware of the consequences to their own business models, um, of the way public policy is going to have to shift, but also I think increasingly under pressure from their own staff Mm. to take action in this area. And I think one of the things, one of the messages the government will want to get across is that actually business is part of the solution to this problem. Um, Yes, you know, the way we currently live our lives is the cause of the problem, but actually, you know, if you want, for example, as we're going to have to do to, to... nearly all of us are going to have to replace the, the boilers in our, the gas-fired boilers in our homes. You know, you're going to need private business to help you deliver those policy goals. And the same is true of every single sector of the economy where this transformation is required. So you know, I think the government will be very keen to work with business to deliver the changes necessary.
0: Gentlemen, thank you. We've covered an awful lot of ground there. And if I, if I try and summarise what I think are some of those main points, I think Gavin kicked us off by uh, highlighting that, as ever, politics are as important in this budget as the economics and in particular how the government is going to deliver for those new voters in the red wall seats across the north and the midlands. Still a bit of a question mark about how they're going to square the circle between increased spending and protecting the fiscal rule if they choose to do so. Is that through broadening the base? Is it through reliefs um, of which there are many? Um, and although Brexit is done, uh, we still need to work out what the impact is at the end of transitions with, with free ports, with direct taxes, indirect taxes still up to play there. And then I guess on productivity and environment, two huge issues, f neither for neither of which there is a single silver bullet. But clearly the role of organisations like ours and hopefully those listening will have a big role to play, both in terms of upskilling their people, but also in delivering against net zero. But of course, this might not be the only fiscal event that we get this year, so we might have a reason to get back around the table later in 2020 with IFS and others suggesting that as well as the spending review that will take place this year, we might also have an autumn budget falling back in the normal rhythm of the uh, fiscal cycle. So plenty of things to, uh, to keep an eye on over 2020. So thank you, John and Gavin, for talking us through those. And for our listeners, don't forget to subscribe to our Talking Tax podcast and to follow our budget updates online on March the 11th. Thank you very much.